Good morning, Peninsula Hope Church. I hope you guys are continuing to stay safe and do well. It's been another really uh, emotional week for many, many people with the wildfires here in California. Obviously, the pandemic continuing to go on. And then more recently in Wisconsin with the Jacob Blake shooting. And my understanding is there was a few protesters that were shot as well. And so I ask you all to be praying, um, to be joining the country in prayer, because I feel that God is calling us to really press in and pray for our country. So let me open us up in prayer as we continue on with our series on belief. Lord Jesus, we, we love you, Lord Jesus, and we need you so much. Lord, I pray for everything that is going on, Lord, not just in our country, but the world. Lord, I pray that you would help us to strengthen our faith, even with the challenging times that we are going through. I pray for a unity in the body of Christ. Help us to be the Christians you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting, those that are going through so many challenges, Lord Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. As I mentioned, we are continuing our Beyond Belief series. And over the last several weeks, we've covered several things to help us, not just to grow in our faith, but to solidify our faith. So when we do see tragedies going on in the world, it doesn't shake our faith in Jesus, in God, and who he is. We took a look at who we surround ourselves with. And we also took a look at the environments that we're in and the effect that our surroundings have on us. And this week, I wanna continue by talking about seeking out other believers. We need to look for Christian community and Christian fellowship everywhere, not just at church. We need to look for friends that are Christians at our workplace or maybe at school or even at the gym, wherever we are. And we're going to talk about why that is today. And our focus is going to be Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 27. I'm going to read from the NIV today and it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sitting after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And we will get into all of that. It's a very intense and very challenging passage. So I want to take a look at what is it that this verse is saying we need to do as authentic believers in Christ. Well, the first thing is that we have to hold unswervingly to our hope. The original Greek word used for unswervingly, it means to hold fast to bind or restrain. In other words, our belief in Jesus needs to be bound to us and it has to be so tight, our faith and our trust in him so tight to who we are that it cannot be shaken. Many of you probably have roof racks on your car. For those of you that maybe ski, I know in Colorado, skiing, snowboarding, mountain biking, huge things, but even for people that camp, you may have roof racks. 
And when you're traveling and you take a bike with you or you take your skis or snowboard, you bind them into place because you don't want to lose that precious cargo. And in the same way, we have to bind or secure our hope in Jesus and who he is, our belief in him. We have to bind it so tightly to our lives. And next, this passage tells us that we need to profess that hope. And in this passage, it's not talking about evangelism. So this isn't going out and trying to convert people to become followers of Jesus. This is about taking a stand and sharing or letting people know what it is that we believe or who it is that we believe. And it's what we say about that to others. Meaning, it's letting people know where we stand. So again, this isn't about evangelism. It's letting people know I am a believer and this is what I believe and I'm not going to shake my belief. I'm not going to start doubting the one who created me, the one who loves me. And the one who loves us, that is who our hope is in and that is in Jesus. And again, that is believing or our hope is believing not only who he did or who, who he is, what he did, but also why we need him because we are sinners. And it's, it's also putting our absolute faith, our trust in him with every aspect of our life. Because that's the only way that we experience salvation and eternal life in heaven that is only possible through him. So that's what we have to do as authentic Christians. We have to bind that hope in Jesus to our lives. It has to be securely part of who we are. And the reason why we do this, the passage tells us, is because God is faithful. He is worthy of our trust and belief in him. Now, how do we do this? The passage, it's so great because it also tells us that there's things that we can do to ensure that that hope, that binding, that we don't swerve in our faith and belief. And first, we have to think about it. We have to think about how can we spur others in their hope? And there's two things that we are wanting to encourage others or spur them towards. It's love and it's good deeds. That's what the passage tells us. In good deeds, it's godly behavior and actions. So there is a context to those good deeds. The Greek word used for spur means to stimulate, to incite, to rouse or stir up and provoke. There's a definition as well. I, I guess I should talk about it because I think it's really powerful. It actually said to riot and usually those words, they have such a negative connotation. In fact, that is one of the main reasons why the NIV version of the Bible, the most widely used version in the world, why they chose to use that word spur. It's a little softer. But I think the verse loses so much impact and power when you use spur in place of rouse or incite. In fact, the NASB says stimulate. And the ESV says to stir up. And I believe that's more accurate to the Greek. So we have to be intense as we are encouraging or rousing up others in their hope and their belief in God. 
an illustration that came to my mind as a bodybuilder. It's being at the gym. And when I train with people, it's intense. We're not there to say, come on, you can lift this weight. We are intense. We are getting serious about what we're doing. For any of you that are athletes, and you can see me getting all hyped up right now talking about Jesus. That's what this is about. If you are an athlete, you rouse each other up. If you're a fan of any sport, that's what fans do. They get the team roused up. They provoke them. And Emily reminded me there's other places. It could be a mathletics. It could be a spelling bee. I have seen these contests actually on ESPN, surprisingly. And there are parents that get so intense encouraging their children to do a good job. And that's the attitude we have to have. 2 Timothy 1 verses 5 through 7, the ESV says, I am reminded, this is Paul, reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. To fan into flame, how incredible is the way that Paul put that, to encourage Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, your belief as a young pastor. That's what we need to do. And we accomplish this, the passage tells us, by meeting together and encouraging one another. God did not create us to be alone. We need Christian community and fellowship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, the ESV says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We need Christian community. And while the church, it is so essential, it is a key part of our walk in building our faith and learning about Jesus we have to understand that Christian community and fellowship, they extend beyond the church walls. Because the bulk of our life, it's lived away from the church. So we need to seek out other Christians in every aspect of our lives. Again, look for Christian coworkers. Look for Christians at the gym. Again, we do need non-believers in our life. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission if we don't. But again, how is a non-believer going to encourage a believer in their hope? It's not going to happen. If someone does not work out, they cannot encourage me to lift more weights. It's not going to happen. It's the same thing with our faith. So we need to seek out Christians in every aspect of our lives. And this is key. It's important to remember that the meeting together that the writer of Hebrews is talking about the kind that encourages people towards love and good deeds, it has to, it must be focused on God and holding on unswervingly to our hope in him. I love how one author put it. He said this, he said, community and fellowship involve time and intentional effort. I think we'd all agree that's true. But here's the kicker. It's not just enough to hang out on purpose. You need to hang out with a purpose. Fellowship that's, that 
Intentional time together always has the goal of encouraging each other in the Lord. That's the key. You can't just be going and having fun with Christian friends. That's great. But if that is the only thing you do when you're in community with other Christians, that's not helping you to hold, to bind your faith to your life. We have to be intentional about encouraging, about inciting, about rousing our faith in one another. We have to do that. And here are some of the ways that we encourage one another. We encourage each other to be more like Jesus. Colossians 3.16, the ESV says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. We encourage each other to read the Bible, to pray, to give. We encourage each other to meet the practical needs of others. And we support each other emotionally. Galatians 6.2 in the ESV says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We can encourage each other to recognize and develop our spiritual gifts. And here's another big one. We can encourage each other by confessing sins and holding each other accountable. Hebrews 3, verse 13, the ESV says, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We can also encourage each other to work through conflicts, to forgive, and as the passage says, to love. These are different ways that when we meet together and we are purposely having the purpose of inciting and arousing our faith, our hope, our belief in God, these are the things that we encourage each other about. Now, why do we do this? The passage tells us very clearly there's two reasons. One, the day is drawing near. And what the writer of Hebrews is talking about is Jesus' second coming. It's when he returns and he will judge the world. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and then I'll go through 9 through 11, and this is in the ESV. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So we know as Christians that Jesus is coming back, but we don't know when. And so we have to be careful that we don't get so comfortable about things that we get lax in our faith because Jesus could show up at any time. And again, this is why we have to rouse, incite, be passionate about helping others to be passionate in their faith and their belief. And then verses nine through 11, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So this is another passage that is telling us, yes, there's a consequence, but 
if we encourage each other, if we build each other up, just like the writer of Hebrews told us, we don't have to experience those things. And I love that we are reminded of that. Now, the second reason that we see in Hebrews 10 verses 26 through 27 is that there is a consequence of deliberate sin after receiving the knowledge of truth. And this dealing or, or, or this uh, the sin that it is, it is talking about, it is not occasional sin. Or it's not even struggling with a temptation that is really hard for you to overcome. What this verse is talking about is deliberate sin. And this sin, this deliberate wanting to be separated God, it's following that knowledge of truth that you've received. It's talking about willfully going against God after you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. It's acting the same way as you did before you were saved or had that knowledge of Jesus, who he is and what he did for you. Or it's the individual who is at the point of accepting Jesus in their heart. They know that this is the truth. They want him so bad, but then in the end, they decide they don't want to be a Christian because they don't want to change the way they live. I thought of an example of someone being rescued and they're being pulled up by a rope off a cliff. And just as they are getting to the top, when they are just about to be pulled to safety, they cut the rope. They don't want to be saved. That's who this passage is talking about. But here's the thing, let me end with this, that praise Jesus, we don't have to experience those consequences because if we do what the writer of Hebrews tells us, we can avoid that consequence. If we will seek out other Christians, other believers, and if we will encourage one another, if we will rouse one another to the hope that we have so that when tragedy happens, when hurts happens, we won't be shaken because we are sitting there and we are encouraging one another. We're saying, don't give up. God loves you. That's the passion we have to have for our faith and the faith of others. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would incite our hearts. I pray that you would give us that burning fire, Lord Jesus, that wouldn't be put out. And I pray that that blaze, Lord, would affect others. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to love you. Help us to love others so much, Lord, that we want to encourage them in every aspect of their faith. Help us to be bold. Help us not to shy away, Lord. Help us to be there to support one another. And Lord, I pray that you would open doors for people to find Christian community everywhere, at work, at the coffee shop, Lord, places that people spend time, Lord, so we can be there for one another. We pray this in your name. Amen. We love you guys. We're praying for you. We hope to see you soon. God bless.